My name is Harry Gong with Dr. Jane Simone, a clinical psychologist and a professor and director of clinical training at the UW Department of Psychology. She directs the UW Fred Hutch CFAR's Behavioral Science Corps and co-chairs HANC's Behavioral Science Consultative Group. Her research on behavioral elements of HIV treatment have taken her across the globe from Haiti and the U.S.-Mexico border to China and a number of countries in Africa. I have the privilege of interviewing her about her career. Thank you for sitting down with me, Dr. Simone. My first question is, uh, one of your roles is as professor and director of clinical training for UW's Department of Psychology. What do you do in that role on a daily basis? What are some of the programs you implement in that role? So my job includes uh, teaching and mentoring, conducting research, and some administrative responsibilities. And for the teaching and mentoring, I have groups of graduate students. I have a lab. We call them graduate students. We meet weekly. And I help them to complete the milestones in the program, such as their master's and dissertation research projects, and help them progress getting the training they need for the program. In terms of the administration, I'm the director of our clinical training program. And then for my research, I run a center, the Behavioral Research Center for HIV, where we provide training opportunities, mentorship, and monetary support for people's research. And I do some of my own research. My main project is in Kenya. Yeah, could you talk a little bit more about that current project in Kenya? What are you doing there and um, what's sort of the goal? Yes. So um, I do a lot of my research has to do with HIV and for persons living with HIV, there's exciting new treatments. Nowadays, people to stay healthy with HIV, they have to take one pill, but they do have to take one pill once a day for the rest of their lives. And there's some new treatments that involve taking, say, a pill every month or getting an injection. There's also kind of an implant. So we want to know this research has to do with acceptability. Will people accept this kind of treatment? Would they prefer it instead of doing their once daily? And we use some complicated statistics called a discrete choice experiment to examine the answers and see what the results are. Do you have any results so far? Yeah, we have some that we're starting to look at. The main thing was who would it be most helpful for? And maybe interesting to you guys, it's the young people. They don't want to have to take a medication, a pill every day. They don't want to have to be reminded that they have HIV. And some of them, they live in dormitories. So it's uh, there's kind of a stigma around having HIV. So they would like to be able to just take one discreet shot once every three months and just not have to think about HIV anymore. Interesting. Also, you have researched just outside of Kenya. You've researched all around the world. What were some of the most interesting experiences in your time sort of traveling abroad and doing research there? Yeah, that's interesting. I've worked in China, then South Africa. I've worked in in the United States on the U.S.-Mexico border. That was actually some of the uh, more interesting work that we did because it was just a very interesting place culturally to be. But I would say, yeah, working in China, and mainly the biggest difference is there's a lot of stigma around mental health in China. So I, I go to China and we visited some rural areas and there were people that came in from the countryside that were suffering from mental illness. And the parents literally had to tie them up or lock them up or chain them to put them in a cage or chain them to a tree. They had no way to control the behavior and they wanted to protect their family members. So I would see in these rural hospitals that people would come in and they would have to just give them mainly tranquilizing medications while they helped them get through these psychotic episodes. Some of them were starting to have the beginning stages of uh, schizophrenia or really debilitating psychiatric illness. So it was interesting to see that in a, in a place like China, that just such stigma and so, so few resources available for people with mental illness. Certainly. And my final question is kind of the obvious one, the elephant in the room, but how has COVID both in the short and the long term affected your work? 
we couldn't do any research face to face. And all these interviews were supposed to be talking to people face to face. So we switched to Zoom. You know, we, we talked to people on Zoom and we, we had our questionnaire designed on a software platform that they could use. All our research meetings went to Zoom and I didn't haven't traveled internationally for two years. So we had to shut down. And I don't know what if we hadn't had Zoom, I think people just would have gone back to work sooner, honestly. But that was the biggest impact is that we just couldn't see our colleagues and had to do everything remotely. You know, out of curiosity, sort of in the long term, have you seen any changes in anything that you've researched due to COVID or sort of correlated with COVID? An increase in substance use and mental health concerns, especially among young people. Um, I have a a teenage daughter who was graduating from high school last year, just starting college. And I can see in her generation, there's just a lot of anxiety, a lot of eating disorders, a lot of substance use, um, a lot of depression, high suicidality. I think it was very difficult for young people to be so cut off, to have schools shut down, to have their sports programs closed. So that's the biggest in terms of mental health. That's what I'm seeing. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me and taking the time. It was a pleasure to have you.